a listener production. Hi, 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 hi. Hello. Yes, hi. Oh, I see you over there. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Stop, stop, stop. Thank you guys so much. Welcome to come out wherever you are. This is a safe space for curious people to learn more about the coming out experience. So congratulations. You are now a part of this beautiful community. And because this is a podcast about the coming out experience, it is only fair that I go first. My name is Sean Zepps. My pronouns are he, him, and I am fabulously gay. I first came out in early 2000 when I was 12 years old. And I last came out, it would be exactly 24 hours ago, I guess. Um, I was getting coffee. I was standing outside. I had both of my children with me. I was having a conversation with a wonderful woman and she just asked about my wife. And so in those moments, you have two options. Do I pretend to have a wife (laughs) for a second? Or do I just say husband, outing myself immediately? And the rest of the conversation was wonderful. Today, we are welcoming a new member to the Come Out Wherever You Are family, Lyra. Lyra, please introduce yourself for me. Let me know when you first came out and when you last came out. Hello, thank you. Well, my name is Alira. My pronouns are she and they. I came out only probably in the last maybe couple of years. And the last time I had to, I guess, come out to somebody, I feel like I'm doing it on the daily. Like you've just said, I think people just assume that I have a boyfriend or a husband and I'm like, "Mm, no, I'm pretty queer. Like I love women. So let's like change that. It's such, it's the language around it, isn't it? Alira Potter is a proud Yorta Yorta woman and a self-described sassy, psychic, witchy sister. Like honestly, listen to all of the things she can do. She's a trained Reiki practitioner, an intuitive reader, an energy healer, a meditation guide, and a legit life coach. She's been interviewed by Vogue, thank you very much. And next year, she has a book coming out called Wild and Witchy, which is gonna help you call in your best life. And just a heads up before we get into this, Alira was married to a man when she was 21. They were married until her late 20s and then they split up amicably. We don't get into this in a ton of detail, but knowing that it happened is definitely gonna help this conversation make a little bit more sense. All right, that's enough from me, here's Alira. So like many humans I adore in the world, you are living in Geelong. I don't, all the people, I'm like so drawn to humans who live in Geelong, um, but you didn't grow up there. Tell me where you grew up and I, I'm interested in you helping to paint a picture of whether or not that place uh, was filled with queer people, supportive of queer people. What was the environment like when Alira was growing up? Yeah, I mean, growing up, yeah, so I live in Geelong, but I grew up in Melbourne and I grew up in the most like Anglo community, the most probably Mm. straight community. Um, There wasn't a lot of gay, queer, lesbian folk that I recall. Having said that, I grew up with the most inclusive family and inclusive mum that would just be like, you treat everybody with some like hard respect, no matter how they identify. And I was like, yeah, you're right. So I mean, growing up, identity was a big thing for me and trying to figure out who I was. And um, I guess that thing of being a woman of color, but then sort of like figuring out my sexuality and all that sort of thing. Um, Yeah, it was always a struggle. Like, I think a lot of people would agree who I grew up with that where we lived was just so straight and narrow, 
just, yeah, everything was black and white. Mm, oh, yeah. This is a, a really common theme for basically everyone who was born before the 90s. It, even in a city like Melbourne that we think of as maybe the most liberal and progressive city in all of Australia in many ways. You know, you just backtrack to kids who grew up there in the 80s or 70s or 90s, and it didn't seem like that because it just wasn't a big part of the conversation. Now, I have to ask, you said accepting mother, and you also said person of color. Um, wh what's her culture? What's your family makeup? Yeah, so mom, mom was white Australian. She passed away when I was 17. And I just grew up, she was so, like, chill. She had a gay cousin. She just was like you just love everybody. And mm. I'm like, okay, cool. And that's how I grew up. And then my dad's side, we're all First Nations. And I mean, like, that was always an issue for me growing up because the media had this misconception of Aboriginal people, which was always a struggle growing up because people would be like, oh, you know, you're an abo or this or that. So not only have I dealt with, like, you know, that sort of people, just this internalised misogyny towards queer people, but it's also, like, people were just racist towards... Black people. Oh, absolutely. I have to dig in here a little bit further, if you don't mind, only because as an American who moved to Australia, as you would know, America has a complicated uh, relationship to Native Americans. And what we do not do is consistently respect, work with, uh, work towards a better relationship. It, it's a complicated and uh, it's a complicated history. So when I come to a country like Australia and I'm um, going to events and I'm understanding the relationship to the land and understanding the relationship to Aboriginal people, I want I was fascinated and wanted to do more research, specifically through the lens of what it meant to be a queer person. Because you often hear conversations about queerness, transness, non-binary issues, and you, you hear the phrase, it's very new, it's a new conversation. And so I did my research and I found out that, well, throughout most of Aboriginal history, whether it's recorded or passed down from family to family, uh, generation to generation, that queer people have existed within the Aboriginal culture and documented for a very, very long time. But it seems complicated to me. It seems that uh, uh, brother, boys, sister, girls, am I getting that correct? Yeah, that's so. correct. Yeah. Yep. That, that phrase, that term, um, those people have been around for a long time. But I also found a lot of literature about it being complicated, that oftentimes they felt ostracized. I'm interested, having grown up and understanding your culture and your history, as a child, did you understand what it meant to be a queer Aboriginal? No, I don't think growing up, I did. Probably up until maybe the last 10 years is when I sort of, sort of understood, I guess, our brother boys and sister girls, because Aboriginal culture, we have law within actual law and law is spelled l-o-r-e we have women's business and men's business so i feel like a lot of queer people growing up say in the 60s 70s 80s 90s would have been so ostracized and so you're different like you have to identify as a male or you have to identify as a female in order to follow cultural protocols and things like that so okay. I haven't experienced that directly but I just know that nowadays it is so much more accepting within our community that no one could care less about how you want to identify or who, what, you know, sex you like, whatever it may be. So um, I think back in the day, 
probably would have just been absolutely frowned upon. But now I think it's more accepting. Having said that, we do still have the boomer generation amongst us that are always going to be like, are you sure it's not a phase? And it's just like, oh, my God. Okay, maybe it is a phase. I don't know. Like, yeah, so. So it's actually not really so different to the culture at large and our understanding of what it means to be a man and masculinity attached to that and what it means to be a woman and the role of a woman. Obviously, that's evolved as a larger culture, and it seems that uh, the Aboriginal culture is also evolving forward with it. Just for people who don't know, so brother, boy, and sister, girl are is not so dissimilar to non-binary in the sense that you is that right? You or trans, you are born into one gendered body, and you feel a connection to, or you or a lack of connection to another gender or the gender that you were assigned at birth. Is that right? Exactly that. 100% that. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm still learning just as much as everybody. And I'm Mm. so transparent, you know, on my social media being like, there's been times where I've slipped up and not been educated enough around First Nations queer culture as well too. So I'm always learning. But exactly what you said, you've hit the nail on the head. Great. I... When I was kind of looking in and trying to dig a little bit, I found like every letter in our beautiful queer uh, alphabet and every culture and every human, there is very diverse experiences and what people relate and connect to. And so when I, you know, was Googling this, I found a lot of questions about what's the difference between non-binary versus sister girl? What's the difference between that and trans? And I think the overall theme for anyone listening is it's what provides value for you, what serves you um, if you are a young queer Aboriginal person listening and trying to understand, is that a word that I want to use? Or I'm just a queer person, does that word work for, for me? It's really about that euphoric, beautiful moment of finding a word that fits right for you and then owning that. Yeah, it's that lived experience too. And I think exactly what we were saying before, it's just like you don't have to put a label towards something. It's whatever that person feels into and whatever they feel like they need to identify as. Yeah. Mm, Beautiful. Thank you for allowing me to go down that tangent. (laughs) I'm so fascinated in understanding who you were leading up to needing to come out. I think all that context is extremely relevant. Um, And obviously we have done and by we, I mean, uh, not me, but like white settlers have done a pretty good job of erasing the history of um, Aboriginals or Native American people. And so understanding the unique relationship to queerness is of value. But for you, you said you came out late in life. So when you were younger, um, really all the way up into your 20s, did you ever once question uh, your sexuality? I mean, I feel like in high school, you always do that. But I felt like maybe in high school, it was more, oh, maybe I'm just bi-curious. Maybe I'm just curious to sort of like, I wonder what that would feel like or be like or whatever it may be. So I think, you know, I met my my ex-husband when I was 17. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the way that I thought my life had to be was just to get married and fall in love with a male. And it wasn't until him and I split up that I was like, I am really needing to feel into this because there was triggers throughout my whole marriage that I was like, oh, that's why you had a crush on a girl or that's why you wanted to kiss that girl or whatever it may be. So it's been like a huge learning experience because I always had this 
you know, this visualization that my whole life was going to be married to a male, white picket fence, I'd have kids and so forth, because I think society plays that really big role in how a female should live and how they should, yeah, live throughout their whole life. So, um, yeah, it wasn't until the last couple of years that I was like, I think I love women or I'm just attracted to energy. Yeah. Yes. So we understand a bit about your culture. You weren't raised religious or anything, were you? No, not at all. Praise be. Uh, (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Obviously, it serves people in many different ways. Um, But you're growing up and you're seeing from your Aboriginal roots very kind of stark contrast about what it means to be a woman. And then culture is saying this is what it means to be a woman and to be successful as a human, to continue the human race. You must find a man. Did you have an idea? Did you know any queer people enough that you, uh, like, did you have a thought about what it would mean if you were queer, even before you realized it? Um, I think probably it wasn't until, like, my late teens where, you know, people would start coming out as gay or lesbian in high school. And I was like, oh, like, that's a really big deal for somebody to actually do that. And that's a really big deal for them to just express that. And I always thought, oh, maybe, like, I could, you know, go that way. I don't know. So I think... I always had that bi curiosity as a teen, but it wasn't until in my 20s I've just been like, oh, that's why that girl's really like, I'm attracted to that, or that's why I want to kiss that person. Yeah. There's definitely like a a dark, nasty, but sometimes true stereotype specifically amongst women that like women are more likely to want to explore it or more open to or more empathetic and understanding of exploration. When you were in your marriage, you said it, you articulated it perfectly, but like these little moments you said, talk to us about those moments. So what happened? You're in a marriage with a man, I'm I'm guessing happy for, for a lot of it. Uh, and what, what happened to you that made you think, huh? <laughs> yeah, 100% happy in my marriage. But I think there was just moments. There was moments where, you know, there'd be co-workers that I'd be working with. And I'm like, oh, like I would, I would probably sleep with them. I wouldn't even know how to in my 20s. But I was just so attracted to that energy of that individual that I was like, okay, but you're married. So let's like, let's put that on the back burner. Let's not worry about that. You're loyal to your husband. Um, And then it's just, just those little fleeting moments. And you know, when you have crushes on like, when you're watching a movie and you're like, oh my God, that movie star is really like hot. Like what is happening to me? Like I was just feeling into all these things. And then it wasn't until towards the end of the marriage, I was just like, maybe I'm just attracted to the energy of other people and not just gender specific. Did you ever have that conversation with people? I mean, maybe not your husband, but, or, or maybe your husband. Did you ever talk to anyone about it? You know what? I didn't because when you're married, you have a circle of friends that are all just, everyone's yeah. married to their husband and their wife. And there was no same, I had no same sex couple friends in my 20s. And I think that was always a bit of a struggle because I think we just had to like, this is the perfect life. You're married to the man of your dreams and this is what you have to do for the rest of your life. So God, no, I'd never speak to anybody about it because I would probably be looked down upon. Yeah. Sure. And it's not like we we don't have strong examples of what happens when you are the queer person who ends the marriage, right? Like speaking your truth is not always easy and it doesn't always end in a birthday party with rainbows and sprinkles being chalked around, right? It, it's more complicated. 
So the first time you start to explore, I'm imagining, is after your marriage ends. Yeah. After the marriage ended, I think this sounds so stereotypical and it's not to sound homophobic whatsoever, but I did the thing where I joined a footy club and it was a women's footy team. And I just remember like being in the change rooms, just thinking, holy crap, holy <laughs> crap. Like this, I think I'm, I think I like both, both genders here. Like what is happening? And that's when I was like, okay, you're allowed to explore. You're single right now. And if you're drawn to the energy of a female, then you go and do that. And that's what I started doing. I just started, I guess, in my terms, hooking up with females. And I was like, this is a whole a whole new world for me. But then there was one point where I was like, okay, pull yourself back and actually sort of process how you're really feeling. It's not just a bit of a phase. Is this what you're attracted to? And I just remember being like, yeah, you know what? I think... I know. I was like, I know. I know that I love females and I love that feminine energy. And that was when I was just like, this is it. If I end up with having a girlfriend, then that's a bonus. I just, yeah. Wow. I mean, a huge part of the queer experience, um, just to paint a picture for allies who might not fully have enough friends or understand, there are basically two experiences. You and Straight chasing is a word you might hear a lot, but basically um, a quote straight person, uh, you right after your marriage, who has not experienced intercourse with a woman before, is interested in exploring. And in that moment, the lesbian, bisexual, pansexual, trans person on the other side either really enjoys that element because it's exciting and new and interesting or is really interested and keen in, in putting a label on you. Would that have been those first experiences, your first coming out? Like, you have to talk to these women and explain who the hell you are and what you're doing. Literally. And I just remember, like, the first girl that I hooked up with, and she was just like, well, what are you? And I'm like, I don't know what I am. I'm just having fun. I'm just having fun. Like, I'm a single person right now, and I'm having fun, and I don't want to put a label on it because I don't know myself just yet. How old were you then? I was, so I would have been 26, and I'm now going on 31. Yeah. It's so beautiful to hear that specific sentence because damn, we're obsessed with boxes, aren't we? We really want to put people in them. And I think for an ally, you might think I mean straight people are, but that is not the case. We're, we're, we're just as interested in the queer community and putting you in a box as you've just explained in your first hookup. Yeah, exactly that. Going back to the original question, there there are obviously two types of queer person with different experiences. Did you ever um, experience people who were already out of the closet, who you were exploring with, and they were like, no, I don't want to be a part of this. You need to figure your shit out first. Like, what's going on here? Are you messing with me? Are you really just straight? Like, was that a part of your experience? Yeah, 100%. Multiple lesbians that I had come across that were like, no, you need to like sort out what you like. You need to put a label on it. You need to like explain to me why you're exploring this or doing that. I remember one of the girls that I was hooking up with actually, and this sort of like triggers me so much because I am such an authentic human being. There's no BS with me. It's what you see is what you get. And I remember her saying just oh, you're only hooking up with me to grow your social media. And I was like, in my head, I literally, I bit back to be like, "Mm, if I was, I probably would have chosen someone better. But anyway, (laughs) but I did. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing that. I would never, ever do that to somebody. Would never do that. 
because that dismisses so many other queer experiences. Um, but I did, I had lots of girls that I was exploring with question it and be like, why am I the test dummy? And it's like, no, like, I don't know. Let me just explore this. And then it just got to a point where I just felt comfortable to be like, yep, this is who I am. This is what I love. And if you don't like it, then that's fine. I want to unpack two elements of this for allies because I think it's really valuable. Why would a queer person not want to be involved in that? I guess the answer is simple. Um, as a queer person, especially when you're younger, there are a lot of uh, opportunities to explore your sexuality. And sometimes you might fall really hard for someone only for them to say, actually, I'm not a lesbian. I'm not gay. It happened to me maybe six times in my life where you fall for this boy that you're exploring your sexuality with, or you're just enjoying it. You know you're gay, but they're exploring. They're in an, they're in an exploration phase. And if you have two or three boys in your exploration phase, decide they only like women, you get to a point where you're like, are you gay? Are you really? Or are you bi? Like, what are you so I know so I don't get hurt again? So that might be why where that comes from, just so we can add, you know, potentially some empathy to that. But then there's the other part, which does not sit well with me, which is the idea that anyone would want to have a lived experience by choice that is challenging. This idea that you would want to have an Uber driver stop talking to you when you say you're bisexual or you have a girlfriend. The idea that you want to turn on the television and see another lesbian character as the butt of a joke. The idea that you want people questioning your validity, like that you would choose that for 10,000 followers. Ah, uh, it hurts it's, to hear It's that. frustrating, frustrating. And I think, I don't know, maybe those females had really negative lived experiences and their queer experience wasn't that great. So therefore me sort of exploring and coming out to such a, a beautiful family, they internalized their trauma and projected that on me. And that's so fine. Like I completely understand that, but to be questioned my authenticity as an individual mm. to be like, Oh, you're only gay for social media is a bit like, what? That does not make sense at all. Yeah. Well, I, I'm trying to do the best I can because I, I just believe that as a queer community, you know, we can, as a group, be more empathetic to each other and understanding where people come from. You've just done it beautifully by saying there's clearly some trauma there. There's also an argument usually made by right-wing media that says young people, very young people, are coming out and then co going back in. And we know this to be true. There are absolutely, it's a small, small, small percentage, but people who transition, people who come out as gay, people who get married to someone of the same um, gender only to later in life realize that they're not. And what I like to say to that is gender, sexuality, self-expression is all extremely fluid. We know that to be true. Medical practitioners know that to be true. To see a young person explore, which is all they're doing, the reason they can't just explore is because we want labels. We're, we're obsessed with it. We need to understand people. Instead of saying, it's just a phase, when they say, I think I'm gay, a great response is wonderful. Congratulations, I'm here for you if you have any questions. And if that's not, if it was just a journey for them, wonderful, but it might not be. So prepare for it not to be. And I feel like maybe because young people are exploring and putting it on their social media and living with it and testing the waters and trying different pronouns, there's this larger label for the whole community that all of us are just 
in an exploration phase, and that's simply not the case. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. Yeah, 100% agree. So in your late 20s, you're starting to explore your sexuality. At what point do you feel confident enough and you going, yeah, I really like this, that you need to start to tell other people in your life? Yeah. So I think, uh, you know what? I I didn't feel like I needed to tell anybody because I knew my family would be so accepting. And I started dating females and I just, it would just come up in conversation in the family group chat. You know, people would be like, oh, are you seeing anyone? And I'm like, oh, I'm going on a date like with this girl. And they're like, oh, tell us more. Like my family did not even bat an eyelid. And I just had to ask them, like, are you guys okay with this? And I just remember them saying, we couldn't care less if you were attracted to like a garbage bin. It's, it's whatever makes you so happy. And I was like, wow, I am really living the queer experience in the most genuine and happy way that I was just like, I love my family so much because they just, they don't care. They do not care. It's incredibly important that we hear a story like this. Really important. I mean, when we set out to make the show, obviously, we wanted to raise awareness about the reality of the queer experience. And in many cases, especially people who were born, as you've said, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, not so nice, you know, hard for people to understand. But the moment you were describing your mother in particular, her ethos, her value system before her death, really passing on love, respect, everyone, no matter who you are. I I got little chills because I thought, it's not a shock to me that you're so beautiful as a person on the inside and out. It's not a shock to me that you were willing to explore your sexuality. It's not a shock to me that you're empathetic to people who uh, might not fully understand or respect you. That comes from somewhere. It just doesn't get made up. And I think to have that family, for young queer people who might be afraid or they don't know, look at your family's value system. If they respect people on the street, homeless, if they respect... uh, people of color, queer people, that's probably a good indication of of how they're going to treat and respect you. A hundred percent, hundred percent that. And I'm just, I'm so lucky that I've been born into a family that are just so accepting, so accepting, which I love and I'm so grateful for. Did that make it easier or harder for you um, to not put a label on yourself? And the reason I say that is you you have been with men, you were married to a man, you start to explore your sexuality and dating women. But at that time, I'm I'm guessing, we're still very much obsessed with putting a label on you. And so I'm guessing everyone wanted you to be bisexual. Yeah, exactly that. They were like, I just remember sort of friends being like, okay, so like, what, like, do we label you? Do we like, how do we navigate this? And I was just like, no, we don't have to put a label on anything. Just think of it as me being drawn to energy. And if that energy happens to be from someone who's non-binary, someone who is male, someone who is female, then let's just go with it. We don't need to label things. And all my mates were like, okay, cool, easy. They were? Yeah. They were like, okay, cool. No worries. Like I've got my best mates now that couldn't care less if I rocked up with a male or a female. They would just be like, yeah, cool. She's attracted to the energy of that human. Wow. I find I find that I'll play devil's advocate because I think it's valuable and I'm sure some people are thinking it, but oftentimes when a pansexual, non-binary people um, come out to others, even really close friends, people are like, okay, energy in air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sure. Energy. You like both. Get over yourself. It, you know, like they were obsessed. We are obsessed with understanding people. And when that understanding is complicated for us, we usually revert 
to like harmful words, eye rolls, or we just are really nice. So it's like, honestly, this is so great to hear that you happen to be in the right place at the right time in human history where you're just like exploring it and that works for you. Yeah. And I think like, I'll go back to that thing of like, you know, what energy we put out to the world, we're going to get back. And my whole business is like, I've manifested my whole existence. So I'm manifesting the right humans to come into my life. And all my friends are the most inclusive human beings, whether they're married with kids, whether they're gay, lesbian, they are just accepting of everybody. And I manifested that because they're the sort of humans that I want around me. There's always going to be people, I think I've had one negative experience with a family member where I remember I introduced my girlfriend at the time and my family member was like, oh, I thought this was just a phase. And I sort of sat there and I was like, okay, we've still got educating to do, but like, but that's cool. That's been the only sort of negative experience that I've ever had because I've manifested the right people around me who will be inclusive of others. What do you do? I mean, obviously you don't have all of the answers, but from your particular experience, what do you do when people say it's a phase? That comes up a lot for all of us. Oh, it does, doesn't it? I just remember sort of being like, don't buy back. They're really uneducated. You hold space for them and realize that's on them, not on you. And you allow that person to go away if they want to and educate themselves on the LGBTQI community. Simple. And if they don't want to go and educate themselves, that's cool. I respect that because the way that my mum raised me was you respect everyone, no matter their opinion, no matter if you disagree with them. So yeah, there's been times where I've had to bite my tongue because as much as I would just love to throw someone down and be like, well, actually, no, it's not a phase, that I'm just like, okay, that's on you, not on me. That's powerful. It also takes a lot of pressure off you. Being a young queer person, the moment you come out, oftentimes you weirdly become the like president of the gay club. Like everyone just comes to you as if you have answers to everything. And that can be quite hard, especially if you're 16 or 13 or 18 and you don't even know. You've articulated it beautifully. You were on a journey. You were exploring. So it's not like you knew everything. You still don't. I don't, right? And so that's that's it takes pressure off you to go educate yourself if you want to, and we will meet again and we'll see where you're at. Exactly. And I think I just don't have the energy to disperse and correct people. Like I've done that my whole life as a person of color. So now I'm in another minority group where I'm just like, if people aren't educated, then that's on them. And I don't want to spend my energy or my time trying to educate the people who aren't willing to listen. You say that you're attracted to people's energy rather than gender. Um, How do you describe your sexuality then? That sentence is a beautiful sentence, but I'm just wondering if there are like multiple versions of Alira's coming out each time. No, I don't think there is. I mean, I think if I'm in in a crowd where I know that I need to label something, I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm bisexual, just to sort of like close it down. But it is just energy. That's the only way that I can label it and describe it because I could be attracted to a straight cis white male and be so attracted to them. But then tomorrow I could see a beautiful lesbian and be like, oh, my gosh, I'm in love. It's just the energy that they bring and Mm. it's their personality and it could be some beautiful features about them. It really is energy for me. I mean, my whole business is all about energy. So that's probably the way that I describe it. When you're in a relationship with a woman versus a man, do you get a lot of negative comments from people saying, so you're a lesbian now? 
Yes, I've had that before where people have been like, oh, so you're a lesbian. And look, I'm going to put this out there. I had actually, I actually, I did have a pretty negative experience. So when I didn't come out, I was still in this phase of like exploring being single and sleeping with men. And this was a couple of months ago. I, I got a message from an old person, a male who I was sleeping with when I wasn't out there to the world. And he was like, are you still a lesbian? And I was just like, what do you mean? And yeah. he was just like, well, you're like, you're banging chicks. And I was like, I was like, whoa, okay, you are so uneducated right now. And I sort of had to break it down and say, well, I like men, I like women. And if you want to put a label on it, yeah, I'm bisexual, but I'm, I'm not a lesbian. And he just was like, well, it's all the same to me. And I was like, oh my God. Wow. Okay, cool. I mean, there's always going to be people that are just going to be like, oh, so you're a lesbian now. And it's like, mm. well, if that's what you want to call it, then take it. But no, I'm not. It's interesting to hear how you're choosing to kind of, like how we all have to choose our battles. That's that's a huge part of the queer experience is today the day. I think I said it when in the intro of this podcast, like, is today the day I'm going to educate them. I'm going to take time energy, sometimes trauma, right? Revisiting your past and complicated conversations to educate and break down for someone, especially someone online who's just DMing you randomly in a sea of messages is today the day I'm going to educate. What do you think is the most powerful way to get someone to understand or respect your truth? I think, well, I'm, for me, it's just like, okay, well, let's have this conversation. Let's talk about it. If you're willing to listen, I'm willing to be open but if they're just going to shut me down and not be open to what I'm saying, then I'm not going to educate somebody. Mm. And I think the power of social media, it's so beautiful in that respect because we all have our own social media platforms. Therefore, we choose to put out there whatever we want to put out and people can choose to take it. But if I'm having a face-to-face conversation with somebody who just has no idea about, you know, being queer or whatever it may be, and they're not willing to listen, I'm not willing to give them a free education lesson. I have to go back to energy, the word energy, more specifically manifestation. Obviously, that's a huge part of your life, your existence. Um, That's how I discovered you originally. Some of the speeches I've seen uh, where I've been in the audience listening. When you're manifesting a a life for you, an existence, specifically around sexuality, like I, I can see a future where I am happy without a label and people respect that. When you're manifesting and people... Um, come into your life that might, that you feel energetically might hold you back from being able to to achieve that, that goal, uh, again, through the lens of uh, gender or sexuality in this conversation. What do you do then? It must happen a lot where you're at work, <laughs> at a meeting, online, and there are just people whose energies not only don't fit well with you, but your manifestation uh, antenna are like, this person could potentially stop me from achieving my long-term yeah. goals. And I think that's almost like that red flag for me. But they will stay if they're meant to stay. And if they're not, they're going to go away quick. They're going to just disappear. Um, And I love manifesting as well too. And I explain to people when we're like manifesting, say, love and the energy, I never write down gender specific. It's all about the language that I use because it's all about the energy that I want from that person and the feeling that I want to feel with that person. So if someone's not meant to be in my life, then they'll stay for a little bit and they'll exit when they're supposed to because it's almost like the universe will give me a lesson for whatever that lesson may be. Wow. 
I'm making connections to my personal life because my ego is high. No, I am thinking about raising my children and how a modern parent is really um, refocused on dropping labels. As a, in the 90s, it would be very common at a family event that someone would say, do you have a boyfriend, Alira? Hey, Sean, do you have a girlfriend? Modern parents are attempting to remove that if they can. Uh, one, don't ask a child if they have a partner. Like, we don't need to sexualize uh, prepubescent teens, ladies and gentlemen, and days. But through the lens of what you've just said about um, not putting gender on the cards, I actually think that's a really beautiful way to consider how to speak to young people, which is instead of chasing a, a gender, uh, chasing a feeling. That's really powerful. Yeah, it is. And I love that you've brought up that modern parenting. So my best friend has a daughter and it's so beautiful because most of our friends are queer and most of our friends are lesbians. So she's growing up knowing that she has the ability or feeling or energy to love males, but also love females. And my best friend was telling us a story the other day where I think the dad asked, who are you going to marry when you're older? And the first thing she said was, I'll marry a female. Like, it's just the way that she's been brought up to just be super inclusive and open and, you know, more self-aware, which is so beautiful. There are obviously still a lot of young people who are going to grow up in homophobic environments, homophobic uh, cultures, uh, religious upbringing, whatever it may be. I'm really interested in if you have advice for young queer people who are struggling with potentially coming out. Yeah. And I always think about that. And I'm always conscious as well to sharing my story because it's just, it's been like bliss. It's been the perfect queer experience. So I always think about those kids that are growing up now that are living in households where they can't come out. And I always think, what advice would I give them? I just think you don't want to live your life trying to be something that you're not. Do you know what I mean? And if if you live your life 10 years wanting to pretend you're straight when really you're gay, don't, don't do that. Just, I feel like just be you. And I think the way that the generations are growing up now, there is support and there is groups for these young kids to be able to access. It's just a matter of them sort of finding the right people that are around them. But those young kids, I just want to take them all home and be like, you're fine. Be you. (laughs) Like, who cares? I just, I can't fathom parents and kids particularly that are gay living in homophobic households. I can't fathom it. I just can't imagine. Oh, I think it's actually extremely powerful. The most popular phrase within the queer community in the last two decades has been, it gets better, which I like. I I think it adds great value specifically to young people who are struggling in the moment. Uh, If you're struggling, it is helpful to see another person living a happy existence. That said, for some people, it isn't that it gets better. There's the Alira story, which is it was always good. It That's possible. And it's possible with a strong framework of acceptance around you. And so when, you're, when you think about the exact opposite question, I guess, what would you say to parents who are considering how to raise children? Because you had a wonderful example. How will you raise children and what would you like parents to to think if if they have a queer child. Yeah, I just think go easy on them because they're still trying to navigate their sexuality just as much as you are. Mm. And I know that 
people are going to slip up and say the wrong things, but I'm like, let that child or that individual live their life however they want to live. And I think that's how I'm going to do it when I have babies. I'm just going to be like, if you come out and you're gay and you're non-binary, then more power to you. You're taking ownership of who you are. So I just, I would love to think that there would be parents out there that would go that extra mile for their child to be educated, especially when they've been uneducated around the queer community. It's like go and do the work so then you're making that child feel as safe and loved as possible. That's great, especially depending on how young they are, right? We have a a massive boom of really, truly young people coming out and speaking their truth and exploring um, their pronouns or their gender or their sexual expression at such a young age. And so it's easy for parents to think, oh my God, it's a phase or they don't know or they're just exploring, but to kind of be open to that exploration, to be open. I mean, every single person, whether they turn out queer or not, is going to go through a phase of exploration. You said that earlier, like I was in high school, like doesn't everyone just think things? So if someone's coming home and saying, hey, I think this, this, that, you know, X, Y, Z, I think there's some great value through the lens of your response to, to saying, great, I'm here for that exploration. Enjoy. Enjoy, yeah. The last thing I want to touch on is uh, you said earlier on that your pronouns are she, they. This is obviously a much more common and popular conversation right now for people to be having, but I have received a lot of questions over the course of the last two months, specifically wanting to understand the difference between they, she, and she, they, and why two different people with two different sets of pronouns that look very similar on paper, how are those two things different? And what was your process of of coming to terms with, choosing that, and then speaking publicly about it? Yeah, I love this. So with people's, individuals' pronouns, I think that's up to the individual and their lived experience, and we should never question that. When I first came out, in quotation marks, to the world on social media, I was like, my pronouns are she and her because that's that's just me. I was born a female and that's it. And then it wasn't until, and this is a really funny story because we both know Denny. Denny and I were out one night and I just remember just sort of standing outside with Denny and just being like, I think my pronouns need to change. And Denny's like, continue. And I was like, this is why. I know I'm born as a female and I've had this lived experience as a female, but my energy jumps from masculine and feminine all the time. The way that I dress, sometimes I dress really masculine. And Denny was like, keep going. And I just sort of (laughs) kept unraveling and unraveling. And that's when I was like, I, there's some days I'm going to wake up and feel really mask. And there's days I'm going to wake up and feel really feminine, but I didn't want to label it. And that's why I said to Denny, I think my pronoun needs to be they, because I don't want to put a label on anything, but I identify that I was born a female, but there's just going to be days where I wake up where I'm like, maybe I don't want to be that. And that's okay. For people who don't know who Denny is, so Denny Todorovich, we actually interviewed them on episode one of this podcast about their journey of coming out as gay and then non-binary. We speak in depth about the they, them pronouns um, that Denny has. And um, so if that's something that's of interest to you, please go back and listen to episode one. And so when people use they to describe you, is there a beautiful kind of euphoria and hearing that and feeling that you are a part of uh, that? Sorry, that they understand the various parts of you? Yeah, exactly that. And it happened on Saturday, which was so nice. I was speaking at an event and they just kept referring to me as they. 
And I was like, they understand. They've done their research. And I loved it. I loved it. It was just like, this is beautiful. So if I'm an ally and I really want to do the very best job I can, and I have two coworkers who both have, one is, um, has pronouns she, they, and the other um, colleague has pronouns that are they, she. How should someone approach that? The only reason I'm asking is if I saw that, I would think, well, Alira is most comfortable with she and in situations when I can consider using they. However, if you have a colleague that is leading their pronouns with they, that that should be my dominant choice. And if I make mistakes, understand that they that they respect and use both. Is that a, the right way to think yeah, about it? Yeah, and I think it's almost like with pronouns, people are actually scared to ask the individual what they prefer. So I think if you have a coworker, just ask them. I don't mean to be rude, but I'd love to know what your preference is and can you please tell me why to make sure that I'm being inclusive. I think right. it's so important. Just ask the question. And I also feel like and at the beginning of this conversation, we've evolved this show obviously to including our pronouns. It is pretty darn easy to just say, hey, here are my pronouns. And then all of a sudden the person gets to choose to share that truth with you if they want to. And if it's a, and if it's just she, her, like that's great. You just go on without thinking. But if the person is stating um, their pronouns, including they or them, that respecting them, holding that conversation, being a good interpersonal communicator is to be conscious of that. And that's really powerful. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. It's really, truly a breath of fresh air to hear such a positive coming out experience. My hope is as we go on and speak to more people, especially younger people, that there are more positive, beautiful stories because it really felt like you had a safe space to explore yourself. And that really, as a parent, as a person, as a friend, as an advocate, that's the hope, that's the goal, that that's where we can get. And you're proof of that. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for having me. Have a wonderful rest of your week. You too. Okay, we did it. How are you guys? How are you feeling? I know that this episode could have brought up some interesting feelings for some of you. And if it did, there are some resources that I think you should check out. So Minus 18 is the first one. They're Australia's LGBTQIA plus charity. They have a bunch of great resources online. They hold wonderful events and they also offer trainings for classroom and workplaces around sexuality, gender, and creating a safe space for LGBTQIA plus people. They're also all over social. Uh, you can follow them at minus one eight youth and you spell out one eight and their website is minus one eight.org.au. But they are not a helpline. So if you're looking for support in that way, you can call Q Life. They're at one 800 184 They offer a free phone service every day from 3 p.m. to midnight. Um, so if you want to talk to someone about your gender, your sexuality, your identity, relationships, any feelings, that's a perfect place. But if you're feeling really anxious and you're not up to talking on the phone, that's fine. They do have a web chat at qlife.org.au. Lifeline is also available 24 hours a day for crisis support and suicide prevention. So their number is 13 11 14. If you want to be part of the Come Out Wherever You Are community, you can follow us on Instagram at Kawa Podcast. That's C-O-W-Y-A Podcast. You can also follow me. Uh, my handle is at Sean Zepps. That's S-E-A-N-S-Z-E-P. P.S. Come Out Wherever You Are is a community. 
And I want as many people within this community, the LGBTQIA plus people, allies, friends, curious folks, I want everyone to have access to this powerful network of people. And the best way for that to happen is for you to share. So if you like this, you can share a link in your group chat, text message, put it on your Instagram story, a little swipe up link, do whatever you want to help get the message out there. Come Out Wherever You Are is presented by me and me alone. No one helped me in the creation of the show. I'm kidding. My name is Sean Zepps, but there are three wonderful people that we need to shout out. Um, My producer, my number one, Lindsay Green, our executive producer, Jennifer Goggin, and our audio producer is Darcy Thompson. Listener.